101.9 on Wednesday, August 29th. We're starting a little bit late today, but we have so much to do that we are going to jump right in. We have a couple of live interviews and a whole bunch of amazing reviews for you this fine evening, so please stay tuned. All right, first up today is a really interesting dance project, Odyssey 114, with uh, Paras Terezakis, uh, and I'm sure he'll correct my pronunciation in one minute, and he is the uh, director and choreographer of Kinesis Dance Soma Teatro. You can check them out on kinesisdance.org. And so we are going to speak to uh, Paris about his upcoming show that will be happening September 6th to 8th and then on the 9th as well at the Roundhouse Community Center. Uh, you can check out a, a really cool review uh, and interview as well on gayvancouver.net. Hi, Paris. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Yeah, uh, yeah, very, very uh, faintly I can hear you, but I can hear you. All right. Earlier I can hear you better, but now, uh, go ahead, talk to me. Hi. Um, yes, I... now I can hear you well. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you yes. so much for joining us on air today. Yes, thank you. And I wanted to uh, just get a really quick description of the show before we can get into the kind of the meatier stuff. Um, okay. Now... It actually took me a little bit to figure out, um, but uh, you are perf- uh, you are choreographing this show, odd essay, and yes. uh, spelled O D D S A. But it yes, is exactly you got yes, it is. It's playing with the words. Yeah, and it's your take on the Odyssey. Yes, exactly. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you've changed the Odyssey to reflect your um, your personality, your personal journey. Well, first, uh, you know, I I I think um, the, the for me when I studied, all right, because I, I, my background is I, I was born in Greece, and I studied this as a part of my studies, mm-hmm. and everybody learns it, the Odyssey, both Iliad and Homer's Odyssey is two parts, all right? Yeah, classic. Iliad and the Odyssey, and um, always interests me because it's a it has a journey, and that journey it can. It's for me is a metaphor for anybody's journey, in a sense that we all go in life. We have a kind of journey, okay. And this journey can be. It has these monsters inside. It has these sirens inside. It has all these elements who Homer describes on the Odyssey from his perspective. Then. When uh, today I, I, I'm making it to the today modern things, I feel a city is a vessel, and this vessel we go through at this city, and we go through that. Okay, or uh, my 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 growth through up to the moment, it has gone through an, a a journey, through a a travel, a voyage, voyage. You know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Now you, uh, I mean, you can kind of tell from the name Kinesis Dance. You're very. It's actually, I want to say this Kinesis Dance Soma Theatro. Uh-huh. It's a, a made Soma Theatro is a word, who I made, who has to do with implies to 
the physical, the mm-hmm. body, and the theater. Mm-hmm, exactly. When I'm combining these two works together, because my work has this kind of um, integration. Yeah, I noticed that your um, that the performances I saw online were very unique, and there was a lot of breath and a lot of physical, you know, sounds, and and it was really organic and visceral. And, yes. you, and you said on yes. GayVancouver.net that you were not interested in entertaining but challenging the audience. Well, I would say I'm not interested in the, to go... Uh, nothing wrong with entertainment, okay? I'm but not that's going not to your say, goal. Nothing wrong. Yeah. But the way I want to see... I, I want From my eyes, I want to see uh, the art of, of dance. I see it from a different way that the audience is there to be go to a situations where they have not been before. Uh, they can take something, they can interpret the situations with a lot of metaphors, the way they see the world around them. Or when I don't, I'm not interested in the proscenium, just you sitting back and watching something happening and you follow it and that's it. I'm interested that the audience being, when they leave the theater, they take something from it with them and that little lift of them has changed them or they have, it have makes them think different or they can put some questions on themselves. That's what I'm interested. And what is your process for developing these shows? I noticed a lot of, um, a lot of results online about odd essay um, and, you know, kind of in development in different sections. And I know that you've been researching and working on this for a while. So what was the process to bring it to the roundhouse and bring it to this uh, this unconventional well, the space? The process was uh, I came from the, it started from me, uh, from the military, because working in the military, being in the military, I had to go, it was a, is a, mandatory in Greece to go to military and I went to military in 1974 when it was a conflict between Turkey and uh, and Cyprus and it was at that time the dictatorship had fallen Mm -hmm. because Greece was in seven years the dictatorship since 1967. Then on that time is a dictatorship fallen and it was a big uh, situation in Cyprus. Then at that time, I was drafted for the military, and uh, I was working in the theater at the time uh, in a play by Aristophanes called Plutus, and in Athens. And then they came pick me up at night. I went to somewhere I didn't know where I'm going. Then I re- I went to Tripoli, who is uh, in Peloponnese. is a it's an area called a city called Tripoli. Then I went there, and uh, the next day I was a soldier. And then my thing was, um, I was a military in the military on Morse code and telecommunications, and that it was like we working in a small areas, like a, a, think about a jeep, and that full of equipment, who's all to telecommunications and Morse code and all that stuff, and you are four people there. It's like you are in a trunk. Did you did that make you um more interested in like communication in the forms of communication? It's not about if it was interested for me in communication. It was more that you are in proximity. They you are okay. four people on this uh, this uh vehicle mm-hmm. which is very small. It feels like you're in a trunk 
mm-hmm. or in a coffin, and you're, everybody smells each other, everybody, you can smell, you can be proximately, I would say, how much, like a, a breath from, from each other. And all this that you move in is very hot if it's summer, and uh, you're going from areas to areas trying to see if there's any intruder in the space uh, of grease is coming. And it has this kind of limitation, it has this compression, it has this kind of discomfort. Then these things made me to, uh, I thought in life is a lot metaphors because we live in a city and the city is full of modern modern caves. Like all these apartments look to me like modern modern caves. Then all this stuff made me to think and I thought to do this. Uh, this this kind of process to go to that uh, situation. It started by doing a site specific at the dance center, mm-hmm. using the building as a vehicle, as a, a vessel. And that vessel, we, we we dance in elevators inside of the catering room. It was on the janitor's room. We just in different places on the boardrooms, and we developed a work. And that was the phase I did. And this is the final. This is the final where I'm bringing it in the theater, and I'm going to, my intention is to change that theater, and the audience have a different experience than the experience they have usually going, sitting on chairs and watching something happening. Well, it sounds um, really amazing. I'm really excited to see Pardon? it. Uh, I'm very excited to to see the show, and yeah. I'm I'm really expecting something very visceral and challenging and... Um, and hopefully smelly. No, I'm just no, joking. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But, uh, the point is that uh, I don't know if it's going to be amazing is a big word for me mm-hmm. and I leave it for others. Mm-hmm. The point is, I think the piece is for me very important. And I work with a great collaborators. I work with Craig Alferson, Stefan Smulov. Craig Alferson is a set designer. And... Uh, uh, James Bradford is uh, the light designer, and I work with uh, Stefan Smulovic, who's a composer. And then the dancers, they're uh, involved with the piece. Like, they're not just for me to do the movements. It's just they're involved. They're collaborating with me. They, they are quite inter- interactive with me. Mm-hmm. Is they challenge me, and I challenge them. Then the work is quite complicated, and I hope from that that situation will come something surprising out. Because that's what I'm interested in. If I surprise myself, then I surprise the audience. Well, I uh, look forward to being surprised. And I, I, so. I really thank you for joining us. I know dance is so hard to talk about on the radio, but I always I want see. to encourage people to try something new because it can be one of but, the most organic experiences. But may I ask and tell you something else was very important for mm-hmm. the... Uh, listeners, you know, dance is not we we you know is that uh, that idea dance was only a physical thing, like we watching something uh, like a, a technically oriented or it has this virtuosity. Now it's a different layer uh, since. Uh, it's from, from very big Wigman who did expressionism to ancient times who was this Dionysian dances inside in the dramas, you know. Then I think these rituals, then we came out with ballet and then after ballet came 
the contemporaries. The contemporaries trying to push it. And then we have, in our times, we had Tina Baus, who just left us. And you know, she, she really brought theater even closer to show that dance is part of theater and theater is part of dance. Then now is not this separation, and in Germany, Sasha Walsh does the same thing, and and it's very very interesting because is the body has a voice. It's mm-hmm. not a, it's not maybe it's an unspoken word, but sometimes we put words because breathing is a voice, mm-hmm. sound is a voice, you know. Yeah, That's, and uh, um, it's a very interesting. It interests me very much, you know. I yeah. I I think that. Um, it looks like something that will change people's ideas about what you can do with dance, even just a little bit. And um, that's really what art is all about, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, we have a lot of artists now in BC. They're more pushing the boundaries in the different ways, from physical to uh, to minimalism to vocal to like I think. And I think I'm I'm doing this from I have started this since ninety. 87, you know, incorporating that slowly. Now I think I'm finding the ways to even uh, uh, feel more closer to this kind of marriage. It's become stronger, you know, this this bridging, these dialogues, the body with a, with a sound, the body with a space, the body with a environment. It lives into it or it progresses into it. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, today, uh, Paras, and I look forward to uh, seeing the show and maybe uh, talking with you a little bit more after I kind of have an idea of <laughs> of for what sure. it's going to be like. All right, thank you so much again, yes. and best of luck to you and um, all the dancers. Yes, thank you very much, and thank you for uh, inviting us to speak on the radio. Oh, have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much again. You can see uh, Odyssey 114 at the Roundhouse Community Center September 6th to 8th at 8 p.m. and September 9th at 2 p.m. And tickets are from 22 to 28 bucks and are available at tickets.tonight.ca. Uh, the Roundhouse is just at the corner of Davie and Pacific, so it's real easy to get to. And uh, you can save your energy for the intellectualism of the show. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll be speaking to Christian from the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival. Stay tuned. On Saturday, September 8th, join Vancouver Co-op Radio at the Wise Hall for our 100.5 FM frequency change party. The Wise Hall and Lounge, located at 1882 Adenac Street, has a vintage performance hall upstairs and a cozy lounge bar downstairs. This night of live music includes performances by Murray Porter, The O'Wells, and Jasper Sloan Yip. 2012 Juno Award winner Murray Porter tells the Aboriginal side of history with a mix of country, groovy blues rhythms, and humor. The O'Wells play a unique brand of energetic indie pop. They've been known to turn an apathetic concert goer into a regular 1930s swing kid. Jasper Sloan Yip's Indie Folk Stylings tell the story of an introverted, existential East Vancouver musician. His tenor vibrato, breathless whisper, and soulful guitar exercise your heart and get your legs dancing. Wander these streets with my head in my hands. 
This year on This Fringy Life, life at the Vancouver International Fringe Festival is... Spacey. Lonely. Sexy. Untruthful. Mind-bending. And over the edge. Each week, on August 22nd, August 29th, and September 5th, we choose two themes and bring you stories on those themes. Tune in on Wednesdays at 6.30 after the Arts Report for This Fringy Life. Brought to you by The Arts Report and distributed by CITR 101.9 Vancouver. Download the podcasts at www.citr.ca. And we're back again. We have uh, Christian Sita Valenzuela on the line in one moment. And he is the festival director of the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival, Projecting Latin America in Motion. And we are going to speak a little bit about uh, the film festival that will be starting on August 31st and also a little bit about the series uh, that we'll be hosting El Artista, which is a film that we're helping to promote and sponsor. As a matter of fact, if you like what you hear when we talk, then you can call us for free tickets at 604-822-2487. That's 604-822-2487. You can also shoot me an email. I am online right now at arts at citr.ca. That's 604-822-2487 or arts at citr.ca. C-A. Hi, Christian. How are Hello? you doing today? Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, <okay>. Phones. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, welcome to the Arts Report. And I was really excited to talk to you a little bit about the Vancouver Latin American Film Festival, which starts on the 31st. Yeah, this Friday. Yeah. Um, I was interested in... Your, one of the um, the missions you have, uh, you know, to project Latin America in motion. And I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit more, that tagline. Project Latin America in motion well, it was a tagline we came up with at, in a board meeting. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we decided, uh, a few of us together, and... Um, you know, motion, film, film in motion, Latin America, moving in motion is not, it's not more than that. It's just about motion cinema and our festival. <clears throat> and the, uh, we, one of the films that we're, um, sponsoring is El Artista, which is just a, a seems like a really modern, beautiful film that deals with, uh, some deep subjects with, you know, a lot of sincerity and humor. And I thought you could tell me a little bit about the spotlight on Argentine cinema and the retrospective that this movie is a part of. Yeah, the retrospect. Well, the spotlight on Argentine cinema is just, is just, uh, you know, all the things came together. Argentina has great cinema, and all the things came together to, to, to have this retrospective. We have films in competition from Argentina. We have a, a section of first-time directors from Argentina. And we have also the retrospective, as you mentioned, on the work of the uh, screenwriter Andres Duprat. He will be attending the festival. He's the writer of El Artista. He also acts in the film as himself. He's an art uh, cur- curator. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the first film of this uh, 
group of filmmakers, and uh, well, it's, it's a film you, you saw it, I assume. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting film about the art world in in Buenos Aires, and generally, really about the art world uh, everywhere. It's not uh, specifically from from Argentina. What, so what? That, that's part of the spotlight on Argentine cinema. What is it about um, these directors that represents excellence in in cinema for you? Uh, on which directors? Um, uh, Andre Duprat and the uh, the other, uh, the other directors two? that yeah. are part of the resp- retrospective. Well, last year we opened the festival. Last year the opening film was El Hombre de Alado, the Menexor, which is their second feature film. Their first film is El Artista, and now they have a third film. And uh, well, it's just a, a commitment I think they have to 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 cinematography, to 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 cinema, but also to 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 have this critical eye on the Argentine society. But they do it in a very uh, artistic way, not only cinema-wise, but also they are they both are the directors are also the cinematographers, cinematographers of the film. They're also producers of. Um, they also produce documentaries for 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 artists for the art world in Argentina. So it's a really interesting com- combination not only cinema but also uh, modern art. Now, I actually had this kind of um, idea about Latin American cinema. It seems like such a big idea to. Um, kind of group it's almost like saying european cinema obviously there's some representative um qualities but it seems like such a big area to kind of group together um can you give us some idea of of what you think the flavors are of of latin american cinema that make it unique uh well not really because you know it's, as you say it's so diverse so talking about one specific or a few specific aspects is very difficult, but um, you know I, I, I like to think about their cinema more in terms of their directors and not the country that it comes from. Uh-huh. It is a, a Latin American festival; just it was, you know, it's what it is. But it's not. Uh, it represents directors and they represent their countries. But we don't. We, I, I couldn't tell you one aspect or a few, or even a few aspects of of their cinema. So they're as diverse as the cultures they represent. Yeah, you know, it's Mexican countries from Mexico to Argentina. I mean, there is a share, a common culture, you know, Catholicism, the language, uh, but also we have indigenous films from Latin America. You know, there are similar aspects, but but uh, as you say, it's very diverse. As if we as if we talk about Asian cinema or European cinema, it's very diverse. It just happen to be mm-hmm. in the same region. That's mm-hmm. what we do, but not we're not trying by any means to 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 be to. To say that this is one aspect of their cinema, it's just it's many different aspects, all of them represented by their directors, not not by their countries. Excellent. Well, um, before I let you go, I'm getting busy getting ready for the festival. Um, could you give me, um, do you have a couple of films that you're excited about besides El Artista? Yeah, the opening film this Friday, August 31st, uh, One of the Dead. Uh, you know, it's going to be a sold out 700 sitting. Uh, seated cinema, uh, Granville 7 this Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, it's about zombies that fight in Havana in Cuba and uh, zombies that take over Havana. It's, you know, it's a fantasy film, uh, really well received all over the world. It's been playing in every, pro- I mean, not every country, but it's been playing in many film festivals. It premiered last year at the Toronto Film Festival. So that's a very it will be the West Coast premiere now. It's a massive film in terms of, uh, you know, cinematic. Uh, 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 way of working it. 
and also the, the, the closing film, A Chinese Tale. It will be it will be very interesting in Vancouver to see the film because of the Chinese community that lives here. So somebody has spoken in Spanish and in Mandarin, and it's uh, it will be very interesting to see here in the audience with with the Vancouver audience. It's a really good comedy from Argentina. Oh yeah, that sounds really interesting. I, I really um, appreciate the the diversity of. Uh, even within the the Latin American Film Festival of um, not just the countries that are represented, but the languages and the subject matters. And, you know, it's almost little mini film fests within film fests. So, um, yeah, we have a section on queer Latin cinema. Uh, This first time we do it. And it's five films uh, in this section. And as you say, we have other sections on indigenous cinema. And uh, and and we also have competitions for first time directors, documentary and short films. Excellent. I think we're talking to one of the jurors next week, so we can ask them a little bit about what their process is when they're looking at films. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Christian, and yep. uh, good luck with the festival. Thanks for calling. Have a great Bye-bye. day. Yeah, so we were just talking about the artist, and um, I actually just saw this film last night and the night before. I watched it over a few days, and... We have tickets available, and the tickets will be for the showing on the 2nd at 4 o'clock p.m. at um, Simon Fraser University at the Gold Corp Center there. Um, tickets are 10 bucks plus 2 bucks handling if you buy them online, but we can give them to you for free at 604-822-2487. But you know what? We have uh, another one of our volunteers. Uh, We go to a lot of shows together. James Bates is here and I thought I'd ask him a few ideas about El Artista because uh, we actually had a few, not differences of of opinion on whether we liked it or not, but just like the aspects that we brought out of it because it's one of those films that has a, a lot to dig through. Hey James, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) So uh, tell me a little bit, uh, about what you felt after you saw El Artista? What were some of the aspects that intrigued you? Or uh, To me, it raises a lot of interesting questions about authorship, uh, about uh, what is an artist. Uh, the, uh, the main characters are um, uh, is Jorge, who is a nurse, and uh, Romano, who's, uh, who's an artist who are, we're, we're supposed to believe is... Uh, has a mental illness of of some kind. Uh, he's basically mute, and uh, I, I won't give the film away. But um, uh, Romano is the artist, and and Jorge kind of brings his art to the world. Um, but Jorge's name is on it, and I found that to be an interesting aspect. Um, there's a there's a quote from I can't remember which character it was now, but. Uh, there's a quote in the film that it's uh, art is in the viewer, mm-hmm. and you never see the work. So I found that a very interesting aspect. It's hard to, it, it was hard to unpack, but it, but in a really interesting, great way. Like it, I, it was, it was an amazing film. I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, the 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 film isn't centered on the art, and I think that's what is really interesting. It's not even let you judge the art for yeah. what it looks like. This is purely about the structures and belief systems and kind of value systems that surround not just making art, but basically displaying, selling, you know, promoting art. Right. And it was interesting because 
while I was watching it, I really saw Jorge and because Jorge is what you might traditionally call the main character. And so you kind of associate him as the artist in and maybe I was in I was inferring some sort of irony to that. But you uh, every time you talked about he or the artist, you were talking about Romano, which I think maybe says uh, a little bit about how we approach that <laughs> art. Well, Romano was the one doing it, producing it. <laughs> it has to come from somewhere. There's this one part in the film that was like, um, he was talking about how he was trying to justify it almost in a way. He was reading from a book about the person who says that it's art is the artist. You know, he was right. talking about modern art, you know, putting a toilet in a museum. Yeah. So in that case, who is the artist? Is it Jorge? Right. Or is it Romano? I think that may be the central tenet of the film, but it's a it's very satirical as well. Yeah, you're supposed to question that, I think, and and it's definitely satirizing the uh, contemporary art world, how self important it is and stuff. But there's a uh, it's it's a really uh, uh, there's a lot of great performances. They're they're subtle performances, like they kind of sneak up on you a little bit, and. Um, I liked everything about it. Actually, it was nicely framed. It was everything. The shots were really uh, densely packed for a film that was just uh, set in, in ordinary, everyday sort of surroundings. Yeah, it was. It was very quiet and funny, but at the same time, actually had several twists and turns. And so you didn't realize you were on like some sort of roller coaster ride <laughs> until yeah. you made the turn and you realized you were somewhere completely different and so it was able to be quite suspenseful and quite contemplative at the same time um of the two films that we have been promoting at CHR this is definitely the one that i enjoyed uh more if not at all <laughs> Sorry to Ticket to Paradise, but I did not enjoy that film. But this one is, you know, because I am willing to say that I don't like it, you can trust me um, <laughs> that this, this film is, is really worth seeing. Yeah. And um, as Christian said, this is, you know, an older film for these artists. So if you enjoy El Artista, then there is more out there for you. And What, what was the director's name again? The directors uh, were, um, there was two directors. Um uh, I don't have it right in front of me. It was... Uh, I thought you did. I do. Uh, Gaston Duprat and uh, Mariano Cohn were the directors. And uh, it is starring Sergio uh, Pangaro, Alberto Laseca, Andre Duprat, and Enrique Gagliese. And I really uh, apologize again for my pronunciations. It's a, There's a lot of Italian in it as well. And so if you are an Italian speaker or a Spanish speaker, um, you'll be set. And if you're an English speaker, eh, the translation's all right. But you can never get the true sense of things, I think. But the it's mostly a visual film anyway, actually. So uh, you don't really need to read too much if that's an issue for people at home. So, again, you can call 604-822-2487. We have a couple of pairs of tickets, or you can shoot me an email at arts at CITR dot C-A. And, um, you know, we have another guest in the studio. We have introducing UBC correspondent and arts intern, Nicole Kai. Hi, um, this is my first time. This is my first time on the Arts Report, and um, I'll be hopefully bringing you updates on UBC Arts events, uh, reviews, interviews, um, 
enriching your lives on campus and off campus uh, in an artful way uh, every one or two weeks. Um, and the first event I'll be bringing you is called Art Attack. It happens on Imagine Day, which is on September 4th from 10 to 1 at the plaza outside the Frederick Wood Theater. Now, if you're a first-year student coming into UBC, you should be led there by your mug leaders. And But if you're not, everyone else is also welcome to come. It's hosted by UBC Theater, and it's supposed to introduce you to the art scene at UBC. Um, so just a few things that are included are um, a pot play, which is supposed to include zombies, so that should be fun, uh, <laughs> presented by UBC Players Club and Chimera Theater. UBC Players Club is actually uh, the first UBC student-run club, and um, it was the forerunners of UBC Theater Department. That's cool. And uh, there is also an opera uh, g- uh, presented to you by UBC Opera, um, there will be uh, singing selections from Carmen and the Tales of Hoffman, um, an outdoor gallery tour, and an interactive art piece, which involves you drawing, trying to draw the perfect circle. And um, is that even possible? I thought that wasn't possible. I guess that's the. Did I just ruin it? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's me. I'm always ruining stuff. No. Um, each of them will take uh, about six to eight minutes, so don't worry about it being boring or too long. Um, if you're a student interested in studying in the programs of theater and film, art history, visual art and theory and opera, there will be advising tables um, as well as free tickets to the Chan Center, uh, the Balkan Art Gallery, Theater at UBC and UBC Opera. And you can enjoy all this with free coffee, tea and pastries in the artist cafes. Mm. And um, I also wanted to talk about a film that I saw two weeks ago. Yeah, you had a review and you were telling me about this earlier. It sounded really interesting. Yeah, um, it's called Mama's Men. And it's about a man um, who is in his mid-30s. He um, basically, after he pays his parents a visit, he retreats back into his parents' home and becomes increasingly regressed into adolescence and then childhood under the doting and care of his parents and basically he needs to find a way to be born again in the way that he needs to get back into the real world as an adult and um it's really interesting because it's act the film is actually filmed in the director's parents homes in manhattan um, and the director's parents are actually casted as the parents in the film. So it's, it's, pre- it's getting pretty literal for yeah, the director there. <laughs> exactly. So you can see, th- if you um, watch it, it, you can probably feel that it's a very intimate and personal piece, and I've, it's very relatable. Um, there, were, there were lots of visuals that kind of imitate the environment of a womb and... Um, and there were you, definitely many, many interpretations that are to be had to, um, of the seemingly intentionally Im- ambiguous dialogue. And you can feel the intense terrors that um, the, the protagonist feels towards stepping into adulthood. 
Um, this film is actually part of Frames of Mind, which is an, an initiative by UBC Department of Psychiatry to promote um, awareness and discussion of mental health and illness. And um, it's held every second Wednesday of each month at the Pacific Cinema Tech. And each film is followed by a discussion with the audience directed by a mental health professional, so a psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, or psychologist. Yeah, I've been looking at that for a while now, and it, it looks really interesting because anytime you have some sort of theme, it kind of forces you to maybe choose films you might not normally choose. And, uh, exactly. It sounds really interesting. Yeah. I think you brought it up in reference to talking about like the man-child phenomenon yeah. in, in movies right now. Yeah. You know, this guy who can't live up to his responsibilities and it's usually done in like a Judd Apatow super funny way but this seems like he's actually addressing this issue yeah and it was really funny despite it being also really emotional good that's the best of both worlds yeah well thank you so much Nicole and we will be seeing Nicole yeah every two weeks or so she will be giving us the UBC report and we are going to take a brief break and when we get back we are going to have a couple more reviews of Die Rotenpunkte and uh, Oliver Fanny by Screaming Chicken Theatrical Society and we'll also be talking about uh, Vancouver Noir with our own Spencer Lindsay so please stay tuned. Check out my new show, The Power of Rejection, at the Vancouver Fringe Festival this coming September. For more information, go to VancouverFringe.com and MikhailTank.com. Hi, this is Mikhail Tank. Check out my new show, The Power of Rejection, at the Vancouver Fringe Festival this coming September. For more information, go to VancouverFringe.com and MikhailTank.com. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily, at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. Okay, and we are back. Back. And uh, sorry for the, the double ad there. That was an ad for The Power of Rejection, which is one of the shows at the Fringe Festival. Sometimes I just, I love buttons and I like pushing the buttons and then the buttons get double pushed. And that's just college radio and I love it and we all love it. Um, so you can listen to After the Arts Report starting at 6. We are going to have our This Fringy Life series happen again. Two episodes, True Lies and Fringe is for lovers and sex. And those are going to be happening two 15-minute episodes from 6 to 6.30. But right now, we have our own Spencer Lindsay, CITR co-op CJSF extraordinaire contributor. And he is going to be talking a little bit 
about uh, Vancouver Noir, which is published by Anvil Press, and it is in stores and libraries now. Spencer, what's up? What did you like and dislike about Vancouver Noir? I didn't like how many words there was. Oh, it's supposed to be a picture book. (laughs) Um, It's funny. I saw it in the UBC bookstore uh, last year, and I was just like immediately, whole. Like, I want that. You know, I'm kind of a Vancouver history nerd. Um, Not in the sense that, like, I've been into it for a long time, but it's really exciting for me to find new stuff and and especially, like, alternative histories, and it popped out at me right away. Um, So I was really excited when you had a copy and I could review, but then I started to realize what jumped out at me was, I think, some of the marketing of the book, and and so immediately I started to get really, really critical about it, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, no... So, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'll just give a summary of what it, we're actually talking about. It's, um, it's a book. Uh, mainly, uh, the two main authors are Diane Purvey and John Belshaw. And uh, they both work for Thompson College. And um, this is uh, kind of an all... It's a history of Vancouver, but it's focusing on a period that they feel has never been kind of categorized like this before. Um, and it's the period between 1930 and 1960. And um, they use the term noir um, kind of in reference to, you know, film noir and kind of that aesthetic of the day. Um, And also just that period between 1930 and 1960 was a big uh, time for like really like a crackdown on a lot of what was seen as, you know, like social deviance. So it's a perspective on Vancouver history. basically like looking at how uh you know vancouver is reflected in 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 crime and deviance and excess um to try to get a sense of of what that time was like so what i really appreciate about the book is that it's taking a whole new frame of history it's really original to be doing that um and it had some cool photography and yeah and and information that you might not find anywhere else yeah i mean uh it's, it's a lot about the it's one thing I didn't like is that the pictures don't tie into the writing very well because no, I, I you know, I saw it and I was like, oh, this is full of like amazing pictures that I haven't seen. Like I've seen a lot of historical pictures. There's the ones that you see along, you know, and it's great that someone new is digging up new pictures. Um, I'm sure a lot of these are, are really rare, or like haven't been seen before, but you don't get to learn the stories behind. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of bummed about that. It's kind of like a photography book. And then also this history book, and they just presented them both together, but they didn't well, connect as well as I, I was hoping. Yeah, I, I'd I say it's it. a history book first, mm-hmm. and then and then there's the pictures. But um, it's interesting. I mean, like, oh, part of the intro was talking about, you know, like, why noir and, and why this time? And it's, they developed, you know, the new camera that you could take anywhere. So, you know, there's a lot of, like really shocking, gory, like there's a whole section on murder, you know, and that's the part that I'm kind of like, well, they're just kind of, they're just trying to make history like exciting, which I guess is good if you're not, if you're not interested in history yet, like maybe this will kind of get you into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the interesting thing is like they, they developed a new type of camera that you can take anywhere. So the first thing people are going to do is like take a picture of like the bad stuff going on and like the crime scene photos. And people got really into that because 
you don't you, you could you only used to be able to see that if you were there you know, you couldn't take like a portrait camera and bring it, you know, in mm-hmm. the spur of the moment. And so no people one's going like, to want you to take that photo. They're not going to like pose for it or, or wait around. You yeah. need to be on it. So I think maybe like the reason why the noir kind of that that era has, you know, a lot of the imagery focuses on the dark stuff. Um, it's not because Vancouver used to be totally dark and now it's not. Like, I think that's that's bullshit. I mean, that, you know, this was the noir was an era of excess. I mean, it's still like that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that, but it's that there's this new camera and all of a sudden you have the ability to and you get to go do it. So they really they also broke down a lot of the histories of individual areas of Vancouver. So I didn't actually read the whole thing. I, I, I But, you know, I, I picked my neighborhood and, you know, which has been written about a little bit in um, in books like another one. If you like this one and you want a little bit of a lighter side of it um, is opening doors as well. That's a good one in that same um, vein. But I found that um, it's it's interesting how much and also how little some of the geography and the kind of the neighborhoods have changed and like how their history is still so deeply reflected in how we treat those areas now you know the west end versus the east end and and things like that um i think this is something that i would love to get out of the library and flip through and and kind of learn about um or maybe have uh, like it's like a really dark coffee table book in a, in a way Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Are you going to hang out with us for a few more minutes while we review a few more shows? Yeah. Yeah, you will. Um, So we have a couple of more shows that uh, we saw and actually are still playing. Um, And so uh, before you run out and go to the library or check out your bookstore, that's uh, Vancouver Nora with uh, Anvil Press there. Uh, They have actually a really great selection of historical books, Anvil Press. Um, Here are a couple of shows that are still running that you might be interested in. So last last, uh, week I talked a little bit about Screaming Chicken Presents Oliver Fanny, and they've done their first three shows or four shows. And they are running again from tonight, August 29th at 8 p.m. to September 1st at the Waterfront Theater on Granville Island. And uh, this will be a a saucy and fun show if you're into sauciness and fun stuff. Let me give you a little taste of some of the music that you might hear. And by might, I mean we'll hear. She's got a special talent that you want to see. Land in isolations, libidinous gyrations. If you want a close inspection, it will not be for free. So it's the story of Oliver Fanny who travels about the world learning about her own lust and getting into uh, scrapes and successes with her constant companion. Played, uh, which is a, a little dog played by Tranny Zuko. Um, James, you went to the show with me. Uh, do you have a yes. few tidbits on the show? Some tidbits. Yeah. Um, it the, uh, the Melody Mangler burlesque theater crossover shows are always really a lot of fun and uh, well worth the price of admission, uh, which we don't pay. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite as... as uh, 
as good as Terra at Rocco Beach, her previous one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did go on opening night, so there was a few little hiccups, uh, particularly when it, when uh, any of the male cast got together and tried to uh, sing together. <laughs> uh, it was it was harder, uh, I guess. But you don't really go to a show like that for. Uh, you know, to be really wowed by the Broadway-esque uh, professional singing or dancing or anything. It's more uh, fun and, and jokes and innuendo. Yeah, it, it it's a lot of fun. And, you know, when you're staging it, Terror at Rockout Beach was not a musical. I mean, there was dancing, but you didn't have to organize all the singers and such as well. Um, I tweeted a few things, I'm not going to lie, uh, when I got... Uh, when I read online Colin Thomas's review, uh, no relation, and he tends to be really hard on things, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, honesty is good, but I found that uh, he had a couple of complaints, quote unquote, that were really showcased uh, his maybe disfamiliarity with burlesque. I mean, I won't speak about his life experience. I don't know what it is. But for example, um, you have writer Melody Mangler, director Diva Gold, musical director Blue Morris, and uh, you know, Bitsy Bangarang stars with Tranny Zuko. Now, these are all stage names, and uh, burlesque performers have the option, which is really fun, to kind of take on these personas and sometimes their whole professional life and even personal life. Like some of these people I know just, I don't know what their real names are, but I've had extended conversations with them. And so um, there was also uh, a lot of talk about the lowbrow wit of it and then it wasn't witty, but it was quite witty and dirty and, I don't know, maybe kind of slap you in the face a little bit with the wit, but, um, you know, it's about basically a hooker with a heart of gold in a way and it is also about uh, prudence and being a prude in in the Victorian era and and beyond so uh, I would definitely suggest that if you have read the review online please see it for yourself because entertainment um, there's a really great essay by Michael Chabon in Maps and Legends that talks about entertainment's okay you guys (laughs) you can just be entertained and uh as Paris said at the beginning of the hour, um, you know, he's looking to challenge people, but entertainment is okay too. Um, so that is one that is running until September 1st at the Waterfront Theater. Uh, it's 25 bucks at brownpapertickets.com and it is a full cabaret show. Go have a drink, dress up, and uh, see an around the world experience with a bunch of butts as well. So it's pretty much the best of both worlds. Another show that we saw recently and that I talked about uh, last week uh, is The Rotten Punk at the Kulch. The Rottenpunks are the band from Berlin uh, with a interesting story traveling around the world. And this is their third show, Euro Smash. They have sold out. They are now wearing silver ruche and way more makeup than ever. And we saw them uh, last night. The show is running until September 2nd. It is the opening run of the Kulch 2012-2013 
season. It's only 17 bucks, and you can check out their videos at dairotenpunked.com. And uh, you can see them at The Colch, which is on Venables tickets at thecolch.com. And I, uh, I really enjoyed the show, but I also found that it was a, those, that was the most young people I've ever seen at The Colch, and it still was pretty packed with not so young people. Yeah, I, I, I really thought it might have been a little bit more fun, uh, like at a festival or at a, at a say a, a live music venue. But um, it really, it really is great for anyone who uh, you know likes Spinal Tap or anyone that's played in a band. Flight of the uh, Concords. Yeah, and is anyone who's familiar with those kind of tropes, like uh, selling out versus uh, art rock, uh, and uh, or you know clean versus hard living, and uh, they do it in a really satirical, really hilarious way, and they put on a great show. It's just something uh, kind of strange about uh you know a, a great performer kind of getting up there and you know trying to get the crowd involved and then you, you you've got a bunch of people just kind of sitting there with their arms crossed a little bit yeah they obviously were enjoying it but they really had to pull people yeah. like at one point they stopped the song this is the funny thing is that they really stopped they'll stop the song or you know they'll get out into the crowd they had their little crowd crushes that they kept talking to throughout the show and they said the these ones in the front row are not clapping what what is it that is your problem? Are you lazy? It was really funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, I found that uh, I it was kind of hard to get your energy up because people around you, the, the older crowd, uh, not that they aren't as maybe energetic or in on the joke, but maybe they're just a little more traditional with how they experience theater. When I looked around at the audience, everybody had a smile on their face the entire time. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to. I, I also I learned something uh, from the show uh, from Otto, uh, and I agree. Uh, it's it is hard to meet homeless people on the internet. That is hard. It's difficult. Um, but uh, I, I think they'll manage. They're pretty creative. So uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to talk about them because they are always in character, and they are uh, they really live the hard living and also the good living life. Um, their influences range from the Ramones to Hannah Montana. So if uh, that sounds fun to you, then you can check them out at the college uh, until September 2nd, which is Sunday. And again, that's the opening show. And I th- hopefully it sets a, a really fun tone for the college season this year. They're a favorite. You know, they've won at the Fringe Fest and, and they've um, been touring around for a while now. So hopefully they'll do well in uh, Whitehorse, which is apparently a stop on their tour. Their tour. They're doing well on in Whitehorse and Albania, apparently. They're number one on the Albanian dance hits. And not to plug myself too much, but there is uh, an article in this week's dis- uh, this month's Discorder about them as well. And you can get a little more of a taste of, of their style. And you can check them out at drottenpunked.com. And uh, I just wanted to uh, encourage you to stick around for just a few more minutes. Because we will be doing the fringy life coming up next. This fringy life, which is when this American life gets taken on by CITR to represent the Fringe Festival. Um, I just wanted to thank Para 